Hey everybody and welcome to Breaking Biotech, the podcast where we get into all things biotechnology. My name is Matt and thank you so much for joining me today. Going to be talking about Viking Therapeutics. So, for those who are unaware, uh, I have been talking a lot about Magical Pharma and I've been talking about Intercept and I did mention some Gilead product related to Nash, but uh, I had to comment on this because the data came out today. And before I go any further, please like, subscribe, or uh, leave me a comment. So, uh, all these companies are trying to meet an unmet need in the in the market for NASH or NAFLD. Uh, and both of these diseases are related to each other. There's some controversy over whether or not um, the fat is responsible for the inflammation, which leads to the fibrosis, or whether or not the fat is kind of uh, auxiliary to it. it. I'm getting off track a little bit. But the point is a lot of companies are looking into this because there's a lot of, there's a huge market for it. So, Magical Pharmaceuticals and Viking Therapeutics both have different types of drugs that are agonists to the thyroid receptor beta. And without going into the specific details of how the mechanism works, uh, they found that in preclinical data that there's a reduction in liver fat, and uh, it also correlates to good histological um, studies that are associated with improvements in NASH. So, Magical a little while ago released their data on... Uh, their phase two data on their uh, MGL3196, I think that's right, on uh, patients. And they saw a significant improvement in reductions in liver fat and uh, a significant improvement in NASH activity score and lots of good stuff. And so today, Viking Therapeutics came out with their phase two study that had a little bit of a smaller patient population, but they reported slightly better uh, results in their phase two study uh, with their VK2809 in NAFLD. And like I said, they're both related diseases, but I think the way that they had to name these trials uh, separates them a little bit. So uh, we'll get into it a little bit. The market reacted very positively to Viking, almost doubling the stock price up to a close of 1946. So their primary endpoint here was actually uh, LDLC reduction. So it wasn't even necessarily reductions in liver fat content, but obviously everybody was very excited about that given the Madrigal data. So they looked at both, and they saw that uh, in two different dosing regimens, they got about 60% decrease in liver fat reduction, and the proportion of patients that got 30% reductions in liver fat was 77% on the once every other day and 91% once every day. So pretty pretty impressive data, and if we compare that to the Madrigal data, which this gentleman here, David Bouts, was super nice to put together, uh, it's a little bit better than Madrigal's drug. And, you know, uh, we have to use a caveat here. They used an MRI technique that's actually starting to become the gold standard of measurement for NAFLD or liver fat content. I don't know if it's going to totally replace it, but, uh, you know, that's part of the speculation that's involved here. But... We can see if we compare the the MRI results, uh, they get a little bit of an of a better response. And when it comes to the percent of patients that have over thirty percent reduction, they they also get a slightly slightly better response with their drug, even though it should be a similar mechanism. Although some people might debate whether or not it's the Viking product is a more liver specific molecule. But either way. Uh, both of these things are, it's great news. 
I think that both of them are going to be competitors with each with each other, which uh, is always good for for a for a capitalist market. The other things that they noticed in the Viking trial: no uh, significant adverse events in uh, in either the placebo or the treatment, and there were no differences really in the adverse events at all. They did notice that the ALT or AST levels were were decreased in the treatment group in the Viking trial, which was also seen in the magical trial. And uh, they saw an improvement in uh, ApoB and LP little a, which are markers of atherosclerosis. So I, uh, I listened to the call just now, and I just thought I'd give some of my, my outlook. So some of the stuff that, that the, in, or the investor relations people were asking are sort of like, where are they going after this? And they, the company really has to discuss with the FDA to figure out what's up. But I think what we can do is we can look at the differences in the inclusion and exclusion criteria before, um, between this trial and the magical trial to see really what sort of indication they're going to try to get. And so when we look at this stuff, uh, it's kind of tedious. But some of the things that I noticed was that in the magical group, uh, where is that? So one of the big differences I, I noticed and this is very dry, but just focus with me here. So uh, the magical trial actually selected for people that had biopsy-proven NASH. So they needed to have this, this biopsy within 180 days of randomization and very specific fibrosis score. So the, the magical trial was very much specific to NASH patients. And again, these patients do have significant liver fat content. So they have this over 10% liver fat content. In the Viking trial... They don't have a requirement for biopsy-proven NASH, but they did have a requirement for high, high LDLC, high liver fat, as well as assessed by MRI. So it seems like um, the, the magical group, they're, they're very much going to be able to position themselves as a NASH-specific product, whereas the Viking might be restricted to only doing uh, NAFLD. Now, when it comes to the actual hepatologist and their diagnosis, treatment regimen, they might look at both drugs and just pick the one that's cheapest because they both have a similar uh, mechanism of action. But it's going to be interesting to see how they move forward with the FDA in, uh, in figuring out their path towards uh, a phase three trial and whether or not either of them are going to have to do the same things to get the same indications or not. So one of the things that I noticed is that they're not doing, that Viking is not doing a biopsy on these patients. So we're not going to actually get to figure out the the histological features and see the details like we did in the magical study. Uh, the only thing that we're going to get is a follow-up at 16 weeks with these patients in particular. Also, the Viking group is not interested in getting an indication for um, HEFH, uh, hyper, uh, familiar, familial, familial hypercholesterolemia, which Madrigal is, is undergoing uh, trials for, for as well. So there are some slight differences between these two companies, and I think it's enough to, to really own both if you want to get good exposure in, in this Nash space. Uh, I, I still only have the Madrigal uh, position, and I reduced my shares uh, a couple weeks ago when it was around the 240s, and I think it dropped, it dropped quite a bit on this news, but I don't think it's all bad, and there's a lot of like hype whether or not there's a buyout that's going to happen. Uh, so, so we'll see. But those were the particularly interesting things that, that I took away. Um, 
I did notice, so people have been talking about comparing these companies in terms of market cap, and it's true that the magical market cap at the price that it's at now is uh, is almost double, maybe a little bit more than double what the Viking Therapeutics um, market cap is. So it's we need to think about whether or not the magical one needs to lower or the Viking one needs to increase so that they can both be uh, reasonably priced in the market. So I uh, I feel like I might take a position on this. There's, there's a couple of uh, catalysts that we can expect. Viking also has products in... Uh, I don't have it. Yes, I do. So Viking, at the end of this year, is going to release data on their product for... Um, Bear with me here. It's a, oh man, I just forgot this. This one, here we go, the SARM, Selective Androgen Receptor Modulator. So for hip fracture, and uh, this data looks pretty good too. So if they get good uh, data that com comes out with this, the stock could increase uh, much more, I think. So I'm, I'm potentially gonna do, uh, put a position here we're going to see more of the data related to NASH at the Association for the Study of Liver Disease Conference on November 9th. So we're going to get more details on the absolute values of reduction and uh, more details related to the biomarkers associated with atherosclerosis and things like that. So uh, there are a couple catalysts coming up. We don't know too much about Madrigal. Uh, I think in their latest presentation, they uh, they talked about how they're going to initiate a, a phase three trial for NASH for their candidate drug, uh, MGL3196. So that's going to take quite a while to, to get going. I did notice that Intercept Pharma was up today on, on I guess, no news, but uh, I, I don't like the Intercept drug and I'm very, very tempted to short. I'll probably mention on Twitter if I actually do take a short position, but I think, uh, I think that these uh, thyroid receptor beta agonists are going to be the go-to uh, NASH drug, in my opinion. And, you know, we have two independent groups now that confirm that this mechanism is a good one for humans, and uh, and it's a, a good sign for everybody who, who's suffering with NASH or, or NAFLD. So that's all I have today. Thank you guys very much for listening or watching. Uh, leave me a review, like, subscribe, or uh, leave me a comment. And with that, we're going to wrap it up, and I'll see you next time.